Doug, you added a lot of Zach Galifianakis videos to the site lately, and um, one, I have a story about that, because last week I was in North Carolina visiting my brother, who is a freshman at N- uh, North Carolina State, NC State, the Wolf Pack, and <clears throat> we were talking about... So your brother, Sean Fairholm? That's my brother, Sean Fairholm. He's not on Twitter, else I would say... Oh, he deleted his account? No, but he doesn't post on it. So what's the what's the what's the point of linking to him? Yeah. You probably don't even follow him, I would guess. I don't even know. I don't even follow him. But uh, anyway, so I was asking him, you know, who are your graduates? And he told me, you know, famous NC State graduates. And he told me uh, John Edwards, famous graduate. And then he said Alan from The Hangover. Oh, and that's what he called him. I know, and I was like, are you talking about Zach Galifianakis? He's like, that's like saying, uh, who went to your school? Oh. um... You know, Forrest Gump from Forrest Gump. Yeah, guy. right. Michael Scott from The Office went to my school. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, so I got to walk the same hallowed ground that Zach Galifianakis walked wow. when he was in college. Yeah, there's there's one more uh, Zach Galifianakis video that is just like that. Him, <clears throat> Just like the two that I posted on the site, him limp, lip-syncing a song. But it's an Anita Baker song, so I'm reluctant to put it up because I don't know if that's sh- uh, sanctioned and real. I, uh, obviously, the one with Fiona Apple in it is official. And um, uh, according to the director web, the director's website, uh, the Kanye West one is is an official alternate video to that song as well. And it was named – it got a couple of um, – awards from uh, Rolling Stone or something like that. So those two, I, I'm pretty confident, are official videos. But but I, I can't tell if that Anita Baker one is real or not. I, I can't imagine that it is, that she would be first, like <laughs> the first one to recognize the talents of Zach Galifianakis. Like, oh, he would be great lip-syncing a video. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a joke. I'm pretty sure. Well, the Kanye West video you're talking about, the um, Can't Tell Me Nothing, that's the video that got me into Kanye West, because it's such a odd video, and it's one of those videos, and actually the interview that we've got for this podcast kind of deals with that, The and actually that's actually something I've coded into the site, which is dealing with two videos for one song, and there's oftentimes... Um, various reasons for that sometimes an artist won't be happy with the first video but they'll release it anyway because of the money put into it sometimes they just want a different take on it sometimes i think within the case of u2's um uh second moment you can't get out of it was there were different videos made for the european market and the american market but in this case i'm not really sure i i think because the actual like oft-cited video without zach galifianakis for that song is sort of a kind of a regular old hip-hop video there's nothing really special about it i i I can't i don't know for sure i want to say the zach galifianakis one came first oh no i think it definitely did yeah i think the galifianakis one came first but it was definitely like posted on kanye's blog like Mm -hmm. and kanye definitely asked for it uh for everything uh michael biden is the director uh blyden i'm sorry and he uh he said that he that Zach Alphanakis wrote him a one page email or one one sentence email that just basically says, you know, Kanye West wants us to do a video for him. This sounds like a joke, but it's not. Um which you should find uh in the f- video facts section, or at least I put it in there. 
so you should find that in there. Yeah, I I, I guess I guess uh, maybe you know Def Jam or Rockefeller Records uh, maybe had something to do with the fact that they were like you know Zach Galifianakis uh, with a dip in his mouth on his farm in North Carolina. Not really our demographic, Kanye. Why don't we shoot this video with all this ice and bling? Which, and what about the girls clogging? That's sort of the iconic thing for so, the video. It's so great. Uh, it's it's tough to say what's iconic about that video. There's so much that's iconic. I, like the tractor and the God. That would have been my pick of the week, but I think it's deserving of a of a topic, and it it is. We're we're in that. First of all, we'll say the OK Go as far as music video creators <clears throat> are really at the top of the heap in terms of yeah. They would, I would viral. say they're they're second to none. Definitely, I, you know they've kind of built uh, somewhat of a career out of creating these um, these viral videos, and it, it came out of. Um, you know, things that they were doing already on stage and doing for videos for their website and that turned into music videos. And they're probably the one that everybody knows is the uh, what's called, com- commonly referred to as the treadmill video for um, Here It Goes Again, which uh, features both of them. It's just one single shot. They're on, a tread- on the four treadmills and they're doing a choreographed dance and it's brilliant. It's so low budget. It's such a simple idea. I mean, I had my... Um, uncle gary from can't remember you know somewhere in canada you know emailing me this in like a chain letter you know one of those kind of things like bill gates will give you a hundred dollars you know saying look at this video it was something that everybody had seen so um you know they've they've made a career that they've got so many amazing videos and in that canon is the video for this two shall pass which um, was an interesting, which was a collaboration between a company called Sin Labs in LA, which is a collective of artists that create really cool things. Um, they created a Rube Goldberg machine, uh, which, if you're not familiar, is a machine that uh, is really complicated to do something really simple. And, uh, you know, but they've done other things. They've done machines for commercials, they've done art installations. And OK Go approached them and asked them to build this giant Rube Goldberg machine for this video. Uh, this two shall pass. So the entire video is one shot. And before you listen to the interview, you got to go see it. Because if you haven't seen it, it's just mind-blowing. So who we have on the show are uh, Dan Busby, uh, who is a physicist and engineer. Um, and Hector Alvarez, who is comes more from the art art direction, creative direction side of it. And they... Um, both manage different floors. It's a two-floor machine. They both manage different floors for the actual video for the Rube Goldberg machine. So we were pretty thrilled to be able to talk to them about the inside story of how this video got made and and um, and uh, you know the process behind it. So uh, my name is Dan Busby. Uh, I got into Sin Labs uh, just based on my background in physics and uh, engineering, I guess. And we started uh, uh, when I was when we started on the OK Go uh, Rube Goldberg machine. I uh, I was unemployed, so I had nothing better to do. And so I uh, 
I kind of ended up taking a leadership role in the downstairs department. So everything that was, uh, you know, the bigger things colliding in the bottom, I, you know, I had a team of people that, uh, I worked with. And so they came up with a lot of the ideas and everything like that. I just kind of kept, kept everyone together and made sure that everybody, uh, understood what they were supposed to be doing each day. Nice. Um, all right. I guess that's my turn. Uh, I'm Hector <laughs> Alvarez. Uh, I got into Synlabs uh, because of my design background, and the way I came into this particular project is I had just moved in uh, from Puerto Rico, and I was also very pretty pretty much unemployed. I was doing freelance uh, graphic design or whatever, but uh, I kind of came onto this project knowing a little bit uh, about some you know some kind of construction stuff from my, from industrial design, which is what I what I studied back in college. But uh, most of all, I kind of approached it from a creative perspective and not so so much an engineering, uh, which is kind of like it was almost like the opposite of of, of dance. I was just basically coming up with ideas and everything. And I, I guess I took a leadership position on the top floor. Uh, as as opposed to Dan, who who picked the the bottom floor where things got big, I was one of the key people uh, on the very top, which was a very complicated part because everything was so small and fussy. It required a lot of a lot of attention, a lot of people being captains on that. So I basically just you know kind of made sure that 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 the story was well told on the on the top floor. Now, Synlabs is, you know, there's a, a funny story a few days ago, or I, I guess about a month ago, where CNN was kind of struggling to describe what Synlabs is to, <laughs> yeah, to regular viewers. And, you know, it's, it's an art, you know, most people don't, you know, understand it's more of a, a collective than it would be, you know, a, a company that has, ha, has an office. And, you know, I, I think when you, uh, most people have heard of you guys through the, the OK Go video um if they just sort of have a cursory knowledge, knowledge of things, how did OK Go, um, you know, find out about you guys, and and you know how did they how did they approach you guys with with the idea? So we uh, had started as a group of guys that were building uh, like interactive artwork for uh, this monthly event that our friend holds uh, called Mindshare, Mindshare LA, and. We had been, you know, it started as just like someone bringing some interactive piece of art. And then uh, next thing you know, there's like four or five people that are bringing stuff every month. And we kind of were competing with each other, you know, in a friendly way. Uh, we like to call it a coopetition. And <laughs> the we started meeting up every month ahead of time to kind of plan out, like, what are we going to do this month to, to mess with the, you know, attendees of this event? And that's kind of, you know, where this collective really started was that sort of just like literally meeting in a bar and discussing stuff. And uh, <clears throat> as the, uh, you know, the OK Go uh, email, like calling for proposals for this Rube Goldberg machine, went out to a bunch of nerd lists, uh, is, is how it's <laughs> described. Um, Which we and, are, of course, on. <laughs> but all of, their, all of their friends are back in are back east. And so they didn't have a lot of nerds in LA to call on. And so there was some overlap <laughs> in those in those lists. And we so we got like, you know, someone had sent us an email saying like, hey, you guys should apply for this. You know, this sounds like something you guys could pull off. You guys are yeah. just just nerdy enough for this yeah, job. Exactly. You guys look ridiculous enough to do this. <laughs> no, but actually the funny thing is that OK Go uh originally because of their budget and everything were looking for two people basically. Two they had they 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 had enough money to hire uh like two uh major engineers 
And we came back at them and, and we're like, actually, we can do this with many, many, many more people. Uh, it would require it would be the same as as having like two full time engineers, of course. But but we basically like threw numbers at them because we had a, we we had a really solid team of about twenty twenty like twenty engineers that we basically you know put out a pitch and we're like we really want to do this and this is our pedigree. And so we, we, the, all of a sudden they're 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 faced with either like bringing in two people or bringing in an entire team of people, and they're like, all right, I guess this sounds this idea is crazy enough that we might need uh, a, a bigger team on this. And then that's how we really fit the bill. We really had the right people at the right time. Now, in uh, Adam Sadowski's um, TED talks at USC, he goes through a list of the Ten Commandments that OK Go had given you guys. And one of them for the Rube Goldberg machine was to sync the rhythm to specific hits and beats. Oh, man. Now, you, yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why the video works so well. It has this really nice movement to it, sort of the, uh, the meshing of this crazy machine and, and you know, the, the flow of the music. And had you guys had experience with music and when you're building these, these machines, um, you know, how, did, how, how, did you, how did you, how did that technical process work of syncing up the music? Oh wow! Well, yeah, that was a pretty intense. Uh, you, you know, there, there, there's something. I mean, one of the major things, and this is a, a little secret that I, I, I sh- we shouldn't tell anybody, is the fact that you put, if you put that machine, you put it on mute, and you put it to different types of music, you will find that it eerily <laughs> kind of wants to fit uh, according to musical beats. The, the, the way we came ac- across the that particular song. Because uh, we were looking, the, the band came to us. We we're like, we don't have, we don't know what song this is. Like, what do you? What, they showed us the entire album, and we we're like, which song of these do you want to pick to make this song out, uh, to make the the video out of? And so we basically went to their place and started like watching other Rube Goldberg machines and listening to their album. And all of a sudden, this song like really just you know caught on. And we we're like, that really seems like it's matching up. The pacing of it was correct. And so we had that good that that get that, like a bit of a good start. Like uh, the the big bulk of like the, this machine feeling like it's on rhythm and and and, and and that it's on beat. It's something that it just happens naturally. Like we tend to associate what we're seeing with what we're hearing. But that said, we knew there were milestones along the way that we knew we needed to hey there was one particular moment where we were supposed to drop the entire song and have the machine play the music and i guess you can see that how 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 that got solved with a with a with a guitar spinning hitting the glasses but besides that there were other like big milestones and big bumps and everything that we wanted to 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 go along with the music so that became kind of a challenge and what we did was basically we separated the song into sections like verse chorus etc and figured out how like how long this chorus takes. Like this chorus is 16 seconds. So let's build a section where the beginning of those 16 seconds and the end of those 16 seconds hit on beat, and then everything else in between will let it will let that happen a little more uh, serendipitous. And that allowed us to make basically in essence tinier Rube Goldberg machines that we then can connect it together. Now, you say you guys. Oh, I'm sorry, Adam. No, go ahead, Doug. <clears throat> you say you guys. Um, kind of had free range at like kind of picking the song. Did you get any pushback from OK Go? Um, because uh, if I'm not mistaken, that, that song has got another video, right? Now, was right. nearly as actually, successful? Yeah, exactly. yeah, it was, it was a bit of an argument, actually, because it was, it worked. I mean, we literally went through the entire album watching Rube Goldberg Machines, and <laughs> all of the songs that, you know, as individuals, we listened to the album and kind of imagined what a Rube Goldberg machine would look like. But no one had actually watched it, watched another Rube Goldberg while listening to the album. 
So when we did that as a group, it was just painfully obvious that this was the only song on the album that was going to work. Yeah. And we, it was funny because nobody had guessed that that would be a good song for the, for the Rube Goldberg machine movements. We all had picked different songs on the album. No one had picked this too shall pass. And so when we actually watched it, we were like, that's it. We have to use this one, you yeah, know, and they, they were already working on the, on the other video with, uh, Notre Dame's band and so they were you know they were all excited about that and they were just like well you know what it's a different album uh, different uh video because that one's a live version and ours will be the studio version and so they rationalized it away and uh and you know we were just it had to be that song unfortunately yeah. just well, I no, gotta I say, it's it's and it was the only one that was really working. I know that that some of us had had approached them and said, "Oh, we kind of like the, this song, White Knuckles." There's something mechanical but upbeat about it and everything. And it was funny because back, even back then, they said, "No, I'm sorry, we, that 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 song we do have picked out as an idea involving dancing with dogs." And that's <laughs> it, it was so far back that they already had that idea that were they was gestating, and they were and, and they were like, "No, we're we're working on something very difficult for that song, so we can't use that." And even then, when we sat down and watched it, we realized that that song didn't work. It was only this two shall pass. I, I have to say that the I, I'm I went to Notre Dame, so it, it <laughs> caused it caused a lot of pain in the Notre Dame community, and especially really? especially the band. And, and we community. felt so bad about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was supposed to come <laughs> like after us. Was, yeah, it was not our intention to step on there. And I remember when that song came out on. On YouTube, I remember I was working on the machine, and it was like, "Okay, Go's video just got uploaded," and like we had to watch it, and it was just I, I, my heart broke. I was just like, "Oh no!" Like, wh- like I was thinking we were gonna get like completely blown away. Like we were just gonna be a footnote on this song. Mm-hmm. You know, I I thought it was just gonna be a horrible. You know, we were like competing with them, and that album, that yeah. song was that video was so good. That we're just like, oh man, how are we going to compete with kids running around with streamers? And you know, like, <laughs> so you like that video better than your own, is what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, at the time, I didn't know, uh, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. All we, you know, we were literally in a warehouse full of junk, and so yeah. of course, the <laughs> assumption is that the other video is going to be better. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is that uh, the way it was always – when we when we decided upon this two shall pass, uh, OK Go was planning to do the, the band thing. But their intention was always to release the official version with the, with the actual recording and then to release the, 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 the band one uh, kind of like as a special recording because it's actually played live. But the schedule didn't work out that way. They got the, the chance to actually shoot the band one. Um, before we were able to 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 really commit to finishing uh giving you know a finish date to our machine because our machine was turning out to be very very complicated and very big, and because they had released their album, they basically their i believe their their record company basically told them you know you should release something new and they decided to go ahead and 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 go with that. So we initially were we were going to be like, oh, it's going to be perfectly fine. That's going to be a special recording, and then that came out first, and we we're like, oh my god, now we're going to have to. It's going to look really weird when ours comes out. But again, like we just took it. Like we at least the way I comfort it is like that, that. That was like a very special edition, a very awesome rendition done live and on a very different, you know, type of thing. Now, but speak- I think yeah, both videos worked. Now speaking of the sort of massive scale of the machine, I think. You know, one of the thrills of watching the video is seeing this 
entire thing and kind of imagining the behind the scenes of you know how many takes you guys did you know how how all that worked and i i you know in um Adam's talk, he, he mentioned something like 80-something 80, 80 takes and three were completed successfully. And he mentioned, you know, having the um, the things that were going to probably w- work more times on the back end. Was there a particular piece of the of the whole machine that gave you guys a, a headache or would kind of induced a cringeworthy moment at every take? Flags. The rainbow <laughs> flags. <laughs> I would have guessed, guessed dominoes. Oh well, well, yeah, the the dom yeah, the dominoes well, what, definitely. I'll, I'll go ahead then. Well, I was just gonna say about the flags. What made them so yeah. uh, uh, fickle was the fact that um, we slammed a piano down on the ground right next to them, and you know <laughs> the nature of the of the uh, Rube Goldberg machines is everything is on a hair trigger, and literally up until like a week before shooting, that piano fell slowly in all of our practicing like it yeah, was it was, it was something that we had always imagined would slowly pull this thing around and uh damien uh from the band he came in and he was just like there's no way that we can have this piano not come crashing down you know <laughs> and so he was like we got to make it drop fast and we're just like are you sure you really want to do this and and he you know and he was totally right because if it dropped down slowly it would have been a big disappointment right i mean yeah. You have this big heavy thing hoisted up in the air. You don't want to see it slowly parachute down. You want to see it come crashing down. Definitely. And but that shook that whole floor because it was all wood. All the, the everything you know, the, it was a wooden floor, and so everything would shake, and then those flags would prematurely pop, and then it was reset. You know, and it was. <laughs> <laughs> now, in, yeah. ter- in terms of the, I mean, for me, the the one that's the most cringeworthy is the bowling ball hitting rolling across the floor and hitting the target and it comes so late in the video i mean was that i mean is that something that I'm, i mean i'm not really you know a a, a physics so guy the, or anything the, the bowling ball was was one of the ones i worked on and uh, i spent a lot of time on it and it's actually really funny because that was the most reliable thing <laughs> in was. the entire really wow. there was actually if you if you watch the video very carefully it hits the target right and it hits it perfectly and then it hits the wall behind the target. And that wall behind the target has a big hole in it because it hits the same spot every time. Every single time. I guess it's I mean, not it was, that surprising. It it, those things are designed to roll down lanes. <laughs> yeah, with force. Yeah. So I guess like that's, that's like the perfect tool for one of these things. If you look closely, though, I think on one of the first rotations, it takes around the, the, the spiral. Uh, Tim does. Uh, Tim, the the guitarist, does flinch a little because he thinks the ball is gonna. And this is after like hundreds of times that this guy has seen that ball going around. Um, well, I love yeah, watching. Flinches... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that he flinches at it because it's still like a pretty sketchy thing to look at to see this crazy big heavy ball spinning well, around. It's so fun to watch them, watch the guys in the band flinch and kind of nod along. My favorite moment is when the guitar is spinning around hitting the glasses for when the music drops out and he's nodding, nodding along like, yes, <laughs> please, please make this happen. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think you can definitely see there. I think that works because uh, honestly, the first few takes, if we had gotten on the first few takes, it would have been weird because it would have been so upbeat and energetic and <laughs> we really wanted to make this thing. We really wanted to self-reference the fact that we had to do this many, many times 
and that's why we, we we made it kind of a loop, and that's why 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 he's painted at the very beginning. So yeah, at the end, understand what 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 it is uh, that happened. That's why we left the TVs in there. We really want to like highlight the fact that this is a tedious, like long process, and the fact that they're actually tired uh, and kind of like frustrated by the whole thing. I think adds to the vibe of it. Now, my favorite part was when Dan. He looked over at one point, the near the very end, he looks over and he, he stops singing. Because, like, a box had fallen in the way of one of the things. One of those cardboard boxes went flying. One of the boxes fell on the path. And so, like, he was just like, oh, that's it. Like, he gave up, you know? He but he up. was like, well, you know what? I might as well just sit, still stand here. But what we did is we had a guy who was running behind the cameraman, clearing the boxes out of the way so the cameraman could walk through. And so he pulled the last box out of the way at the last second. And so uh, it didn't impede the – it was just barely off camera, you know. <laughs> but uh, he just like – you know, the, the barrel track was going to get uh, – you know, the barrel was going to slam into the box if he didn't clear it out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because there there are people – you can you can't see it obviously in the video, but for logistical reasons and everything, there's actually people hidden behind some of the things that you see, because they were supposed. For example, in the very top floor, before we figured out different ways to cushion the rainbow flag so they wouldn't go off with the piano, we would have people holding on to the to to, to the whole thing until the piano dropped, and then they had to scramble and hide somewhere where the camera wouldn't catch it, so that so so that. When the camera came around, you you wouldn't see them holding down, but they needed to hold down the rainbow flag so they wouldn't go off when the piano came down. So there's lots of like fun stuff like that that you don't really realize. There was also a guy at the very beginning that had to come in behind the cameraman and knock the billiard ball. The billiard ball that kind of starts the whole thing, he had to kick it out of the way because at one point the cameraman almost completely slipped and like totally busted his face and and it was a big deal. So all the time you're seeing all this crazy camera tracking. There's people. You know, surrounding that that are not on camera, trying to make this thing happen. It's really, it was really interesting to watch. So, yeah. did you build? Did you build the um, the Rube Goldberg machine with the camera in mind, or did you build the machine first and then it was like, okay, now how are we going to film all of this stuff? Because it sounds very much like it was kind of like, all right, well, now there's something in the way for the camera. Let's get a guy to kick it out of the way. Like you had the machine set up, and then you were building the camera around it. Mm, no, I guess I guess at least from for for the top floor perspective, uh, actually the camera uh, path got designed first, uh, and it was basically because we needed to get to the elevator part that that makes a descent at a certain time. So I kind of went ahead and I took a floor plan of the of the of the upper floor and said, all right, from this chunk to this chunk. Uh, from uh, it's going to be the first verse, and we have to fill these forty feet of space, so to so so to speak. And I kind of divided like this S or, or like a, this kind of loop uh, thing that the the camera guy would do, the and then we placed. Really. Yeah, exactly. It was yeah in the shape of a question mark. That's basically what it looks like, and and we basically built the machine so the camera could catch it from that perspective. And it was more about getting the camera guy uh, at the right at the right with the right amount of time left at the right spot. And so we had to design the machine uh, for that. But even though after we designed the machine and we brought the camera guy, there were still many adjustments and changes that, 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 that got made. But overall, it survived the, the original camera path plan. And who was the camera guy? Mick Waugh. Oh, yeah, a superhero. He, he won an award, actually, for this video. He, it was like best Steadicam operator of the year. He's a champ. Yep. He, he, definitely, he definitely deserved it. 
No, yeah. that guy was pulling like that. That rig is serious. It's a it's a big, heavy, like fifty, sixty pound Steadicam rig, and this guy is like dodging barrels and paint cans and things like <laughs> and over and over and over and over again. Like I have no idea how he had the stamina for two days in a row. It was crazy. he also got hit by like in the oh, video yeah. that that was done. He got hit in the uh, by the fifty five gallon drum. You know, oh, and yeah, at the very end. Champ. You know, and you can see it. So, if you watch the video, you'll see the see the uh, fifty-five gallon drum drop and roll towards the camera, and then the camera takes a kind of a weird dip to the side. Yeah, as a as the paper airplanes are going are going off, notice there's going to be like a little flip, and it's actually him like being hit by the barrel and kind of hopping over it. Jeez. Yeah, it seems like the a video of what was going on behind the scenes or as the cameras were rolling would be almost as popular as the actual video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he had to wear safety glasses for this <laughs> video. <laughs> <laughs> Those are really effective when you trip on a on a pool ball and fall and hit your head on the ground. Those safety glasses really come in handy for that kind of stuff. <laughs> now, I guess the uh, one of the, the last elements I wanted to ask ask about uh, was number five in the Ten Commandments, which was make it messy. And you kind of don't, uh, I, at least I don't really associate a Rube Goldberg machine with with messy. How did you guys take that that you know commandment and and work it into the machine? How did that How did that process go? I mean, it well, was it was yeah. difficult. It's difficult to make things messy and repeatable. Right, you know, and and there was a lot of time spent on like what can we use to like make it look messy that's going to be easy to pick up again, right? You know, and so, so yeah, like it, for yeah, the there's like pros the, and cons, I guess. Also, like like the ping pong balls. I mean, that that took like 15 minutes to sweep all those ping pong balls up. Yeah, you know, and the paper airplanes uh, weren't bad at all, but you know, we had to you know keep a stock of paper airplanes because they'd get kind of crushed a bit you know and yeah. and the balloons of course we had uh you know someone had to stuff those balloon things and we always had like one b- batch of balloons ready to go but there were people just you know getting lightheaded blowing up balloons in the background <laughs> <laughs> yeah but also in a way the messiness did help in the sense that we didn't need we didn't really need to art direct this a lot. We all we, we knew that we just had to go raw and dirty, and we didn't need to like paint things, for example, to be a certain color. Even though we did in certain points where it kind of made sense. So the messy the messiness aspect like let us let us do several things. It also let us use like kind of messier triggers that are that are not necessarily as apparent. Usually, like what you said, when you see a Rube Goldberg machine, it, everything's so measured out and everything's so clear. And we were like, all right, we're not doing this with this one. We can be really crazy and messy. And the problem is that at the beginning, we were not being messy enough because we were really building and designing way too – we were just overbuilding it. We were engineering it way too much, and when you looked at it, it looked too clean. It looked too engineered. It wasn't like interesting or, or, or spontaneous, and so we had to go back and basically eliminate some of the things that we built, or completely replace them with found objects, and that kind of like also helped the the the, the, the messiness of it. So it, it was a diff- it was difficult, but it was uh, also very appropriate to the machine, and I think it's what it, it's really what makes it unique. It's not a such a like a, a clean Rube Goldberg machine. Now, Dan, oh, I think one of the things that makes Synlabs unique is you guys all have 
your own side projects and you guys all have really interesting things going on. You guys are all doing a, a ton of stuff, which makes, you know, when you guys come together, really, really, you know, interesting. And uh, Dan, you know, I, I was looking at your blog and looking at uh, the stuff you do with um, with cars and I, I'm not a car guy, so I, I'm, you're turning them electric, right? Yeah, uh, I have a, uh, a 1964 Triumph Spitfire that I've uh, converted to electric. And uh, not, right now it's my uh, – well, right now I'm actually upgrading it to lithium batteries uh, to get – you know, the lead batteries are just way too heavy. But, yeah, and, and I just – I've always been a tinkerer, you know, and, and I, I've always wanted a little British sports car. So when I found <laughs> out that, that sports cars make great electric cars, I was like, oh, I'm sold. And so I started this project. <laughs> it was a year and a half to, to get it running, but uh, uh, definitely well worth it. Now on the uh, this is completely off topic, but I wanted to ask about it. Um, on your website, on the about page, is that actually your mom asking you questions? Um, yes, that is. <laughs> that is actually my mom <laughs> asking about uh, waterbed and comfortable sleeping temperatures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I come from a bizarre background, I guess. Uh. <laughs> Because Doug and I were talking about it, and we're like, "Is that just somebody, like, pretending to be, just signing it, Mom, or, or do you guys, or you must have a really interesting relationship with, uh, with your family? Then they seem like they're also in the same vein of, of tinkering." Yeah, I mean, I guess I when I grew up, my mother always had like some crafts that we were doing, and she, she was very much a. Uh, uh, you know, kind of like, well, let's, why don't we build some crazy contraption in the backyard? Whether it be like, you know, she teaches how to turn firecrackers and tin cans into little rockets. If if you put some concentric tin cans and a, and a little firecracker in water, you can make, make one of them go launching like 30 feet up in the air. This is what my mom was teaching me when I'm 10 years old in the backyard. You know, so it definitely, that's, that's how I grew up. <laughs> nice. That's uh, I, I once had to do a science project with my mom that in- included some sort of contraption. I think I got a C minus. So <laughs> <laughs> that was your fault, though, Adam. Not your mom. It was fault. totally my fault. I was a crappy student. Um, and then <laughs> Hector, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about your awesome breakdancing skills because you have oh, this man. long you have this long bio on the site which includes like. Art direction, creative direction, all this like amazing stuff, you know, Rhode Island School of Design, and at the end it's like and you can break dance and you're all and you're immediately <laughs> like break whoa, break dancing. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, to be honest, I don't really break dance all that much. I actually tried doing it over New Year's and it resulted in a in a in a badly scraped forehead, which I had to live with uh, for about a week and a half. Uh, but yeah, I used to I used to be really into it. I did it for about ten ten to eleven years and I was competitive. I was very very much into it and i still got a little bit of it but i just don't necessarily practice or exercise as much as i should but it, i gotta yeah, say it's it really well. funny to watch hector like rip off his shirt and challenge someone to a break dance while he's drunk <laughs> <laughs> so how hard was it to not work that into the music video is my question well as far as i know none of okay go really break dance but i wouldn't be surprised if they do tim break dancing would be pretty no i mean you break dancing 
me breakdancing in the video because no, because because the star is the machine, the star isn't us. No, I know. I'm just. I'm just <laughs> no, we could have make we could have make a little breakdancing robot that would do something. No, in terms of the you know the video, you know, like you're saying, it has this kind of gritty Rube Goldberg esque machine look to it and you can you, you know one of the things that you guys wanted to work in was the fact that you're doing this over and over again and for most video shoots you just they sort of cart the musicians in and then they you shoot them and they leave how were okay go to to work with oh man they um at the beginning they were they were more hands-off because they had to be do tour, touring and everything and they basically let us you know come up with the the the, the whole backbone and just work on our on our own but around maybe like two, two and a half weeks before the scheduled shoot day, they basically announced, we're ready, we're back from tour, and we're going to live with you guys in the warehouse, basically helping you do everything. And we were like, okay, that's pretty cool. But at the same time, we were terrified. We were like, oh, my God, Damien, is we've been working so hard at doing this stuff, and some of it's working, some of it's not, and Damien's going to come back, and he's going to fucking, he's going to just, like, you know, completely undo what we what, what what we worked so hard for and come up with new ideas, and it's going to be a nightmare. And then he came; uh, they, they they basically came back, and yes, Damien had totally. He, he was like, "No, here's here's what we're going to change: this, 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 and that." And we were like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this is exactly what we were afraid of." And then we thought about it, and every single one of his suggestions was spot on; was exactly what needed to happen. And he really just at that point he really came in because it was a project that had many different captains, but not one uh, big defining leader. Uh, he came in and acted out and unified the voice and really rallied us up. So at the at those two weeks, things came together like they, you know, like they never, you would have never imagined. And they, he even built with his dad. His dad is an engineer, and he built that very first table that he's sitting on. He built that with his roommate and his dad. That's all Damien's work right there, and and. And there were and there was stuff. And that's something I, I'm I'm curious about because there's so many people working on the creative aspects of this. Where does James Frost, the director, come into play there? I'll let well, you address this one, Hector. Alrighty. Yeah. So basically, James was also very uh, from the very beginning. Like we knew that we were going to be working with James Frost at first, but even he he came in. He's like, you know, you guys are the expert building the machine. Um, just show me that what space you're planning to 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 make to build it in, and so basically we took him to the warehouse and we kind of discussed. All right, so we have these two floors, so we discussed a very basic structure, and then he led us, you know, to our own devices, and he would come in periodically, like every every couple of weeks or so, and kind of check in to see where where, where we were at. But he basically let us do 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 our own thing, and he like basically took the charge of handling on during shoot day how to like coordinate all the logistics and 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 all the other aspects of direction you know like uh, like you know directing your cinematographer and directing the band and everything then then he took over that but as far as the machine went uh it was basically all us well uh so, like he he for example gave us his uh loop that he looks through to like get an idea of what the camera can see oh the viewfinder right and so you know i yeah i spent you know, I don't know how many, you know, cycles or whatever going through what the machine is going to see so that, you know, I could build, you know, the cameraman's path appropriately, you know, because we had to like downstairs, uh, you don't see it, but there is a huge, you know, uh, ramp that we had to build so the cameraman can get up high, watch Damien get launched across the room and then come back down again. You know, so we had to build all this wooden structure that was like behind the scenes, kind of, you know, underneath the, the cameraman's feet, just so we could, uh, you know, 
film everything. And so, you know, without that loop, we would have been, or the viewfinder, we would have been, uh, you know, lost in, in the woods. We had no what, you know, no way to know that, what we were looking for. That was your only form of, of test shooting or did you shoot with an actual camera test shooting as well? Once things started to fall into place. Yeah. I think the last <laughs> few weeks we did get the actual camera and not with the proper lens on it, but a pretty, you know, it was pretty good approximation. So we could kind of see what things would look like through that lens. And, and the viewfinder does a pretty good job of it, actually. So it wasn't, the viewfinder was just a lot easier. and You didn't have to worry about breaking it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you're able to re, you know, rewatch the stuff that you actually shoot and see. Although and I do think stuff. we broke the viewfinder at some point. You're right, we did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> was Kevin Frost like, I, or no, sorry, James Frost like, I'm totally not lending you my viewfinder anymore. You guys got to buy your own. I'm not sure how that got resolved, actually. You, you know, I, I think he was pretty grateful that the, that the video turned out as well as it did. And I, I don't think he was uh, uh, too worried about it, you know, at to that be point. told. Yeah. Well, um, is there any... Like I said, there's a lot. Of, you guys have a lot of awesome side projects going on. Is there anything that you guys would like to plug to our gigantic, massively huge audience? Hmm. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I guess we have we have we have projects definitely under uh, under under wraps that we can't really necessarily comment on right now. But um, I don't know, Dan. What do you think? Well, I I can say this is that uh, just just last week I quit my day job. Because of some of the big projects we have coming in, nice. So, but I can't. Yeah, we can't talk about what they are. Um, They're going to be pretty damn exciting, though. I got to. I got. Yeah, I gotta we, we, we're, we're thrilled about them. So, uh, yeah, this it's kind of like a dream come true. I mean, like you know, working on working on these stuff has always been you know so up till now a, a side hobby, you know, and but now it's a, the real deal, and people actually. Uh, are paying us, so that's good. Right. <laughs> one thing that, that one thing that can be mentioned is that that we do have a a, a partnership with Motion Theory, which is an, an amazing, amazing production company with very close ties to music video production and commercial production, and we're working with them to see what kind of what kind of crazy stuff we can work with uh, together. So we're hoping that like. We're definitely hoping that music video and commercials uh, remains one of the things that we keep on doing because it's really fun. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was amazing. Actually, I really I really enjoyed hearing uh, myself talk. And Dan and Hector talk. Oh right, they were there. They were part of that too. They were, and man, those those guys. Because you know, it's I love talking to people who do uh, you know specific things in videos, cinematographers, camera guys, and we heard them talk a little bit about the you know the work of the camera guy for this video, which was Herculean. But these guys know their shit backwards and forwards. Gross. Um, that is gross. <laughs> <laughs> no, but these guys, Dan and Hector, are they're they're interesting because they're not you know they're not music video directors or producers or anything like that. They make really cool stuff. So. You know, we were just uh, glad that it sort of came together in a really awesome video. And oh man, I gotta work on our outros to the video because I'm <laughs> I'm like, like, what did we learn today? I know it's really. <laughs> <laughs>
That's, that is kind of what this is. But you know what, Adam? To toss it up to our, our picks of the week. Uh, why don't you toss it up to our picks of the week? Oh, well, you know what? To toss it up to our picks of the week, I'm going to talk about the picks of the week song. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the picks of the week song. Because the picks of the week song is, you know, you might think it's just some people think they probably think when they listen to this music on this podcast, they just took it off GarageBand. Usually the intros and the outros to the, to the actual interviews are taken from GarageBand, but the intro and outro music on that, you know, bookends the podcast and the pick of the week music were, were done by my brother, Derek Fairhome, who is a, you know, a jazz pianist by trade. Um, he's an amazing jazz pianist. Follow him at, at Derek Fairhome or DerekFairhome.com. Get all up in his jazz business because he moonlights, you know, making crazy music for our podcast. So let's, let's have, let's give it up for Derek Fairhome. one of the most complicated music videos you can ever encounter um i've decided to counter that with one of the more simple music videos that you uh anyone has ever seen i'd say um and it's for a song called cutter is back by kid cuddy um it's directed by jason goldwatch and um basically the video it looks like they're probably in a maybe a hotel room um it could possibly be in someone's apartment, but it looks looks kind of like a hotel room um, to me. And I could be uh, very much disrespecting whoever's apartment that is, if it really is somebody's apartment. But it's basically um, just them filming Kid Cudi. The camera appears to be sitting on the table, uh, if not like an I like a iMac camera or something like that. And they're basically. Uh, it's Kid Cudi. One of his friends shows up with a bag of weed. Um, they roll the weed up and smoke it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, during this, Kid Cudi sometimes raps into the camera. And that's the video. And I don't know why. I love it so much. I watch it all the time. Uh, probably because it really seems to give you a piece of Kid Cudi. I mean, he's just kind of like messing around and... And a lot of his lyrics are, are really kind of depressing and sad, but it looks like he's really just goofing around in this video. And there's parts that are, you know, at at, at, um, at a concert and stuff, I think, if I remember the video right. Maybe not. Maybe it's all just in this hotel room. I seem to remember some stuff at the end. Is there a director credit for it? Yeah, J- Jason Goldwatch, um, who also directed the other Kid Cudi video that I... That I put up. No, actually, that's why I'm thinking. Jason Goldwatch also directed uh, "Soundtrack to My Life" by Kid Cudi, and that that's at a concert. But yeah, this this kid, the Cutter is back video. Yeah, it's just him sitting at this table. There's um, let's see, in this particular screenshot, looks like there's four bags of of weed. Each bag has a lot of weed in it. I'd say a significant amount, and there's like zigzags 
and blunt wrappings and soda. It's just diet soda. No, it's a regular Coke. Oh, geez, man. They're really going all out. But it's in the type of a bottle that looks like it came from the refrigerator of a hotel room. Uh, Like it was really expensive soda. But these guys look like they've got really expensive weed. And uh, (laughs) so I'd I'd say that it's fitting. A Kid Uh, Cudi doesn't smoke crappy weed. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't if I was Kid Cudi. Why? He's probably got a lot of money based on weed smoking heavily. Thou shall not hate kid. Isn't that one of from the Kanye West line? I don't know, but I certainly wouldn't hate Kid Cudi. I'm a big fan of Kid Cudi. I think he makes a lot of really cool videos. He's another guy who's got um, two videos for one song, like we've kind of d- discussed on this podcast. And I, so I think it allows uh, a little full circle here to talk about that. Um, Pursuit of Happiness featuring Ratatat and MGMT Ratatat not Ratatat and MGMT they, that that video or that song has two music videos and so uh, now that you've gotten a little background on Kid Cudi and you've heard my pick of the week I'm going to throw it up to Adam Fairholm and I got my pick of the week ready and this one is um, an interesting video I don't know it has naked it has naked people in it so that's one. That's the thing that's got it going for it. It's by the uh, the BPA or the Brighton Port Authority, and the song is called Toe Jam, and it features uh, David Byrne of Talking Heads fame and Dizzy Rascal, the rapper, as you might infer by his uh, rambunctious name. Wait, you mean Dizzy Rascal isn't a folk musician? No, he's not. He's not a classical cellist either. I looked, had to look it up. It's two Z's and, and two E's. Oh, two Z's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now I understand. So basically, it's a simple concept of the video, just like uh, you know the video that you just mentioned, Doug. It's basically a bunch of people in a room, and they're clothed, and then they get naked. And it's more significantly more girls than guys, thank thank God. And basically, Boo. what? <laughs> and, they put, and they put black bars over their private parts. And then basically the entire, Ooh, sorry. I know, it is it is it is sad. And actually when you search for the video online, go like type into Google when so you can see the audio completes and type in uh, BPA toe jam uh, and it'll automatically uh, complete to uncut version or like unedited version. Um, but anyway, because the entire video is just like these sort of tableaus of them in unison like moving their hands away from different body parts and putting their hands on different body parts and there's black bars so it's just it i, I like it because it fits the song really well it's kind of a light-hearted song and it's a fun song and the the, the everybody there seems like they're having a good time and they also really commit to the uh to the kind of 70s theme yeah of it. yeah there's definitely like a 70s aesthetic going on even the dudes they're not like kind of modern looking dudes they're all like the hair, their hair, and the facial hair, and the clothes. Yeah, they've all got like mustaches and feathered hair, so it's a very kind of seventies feel, and it's uh, directed by uh, Kevin. I hope it's I'm saying this right. No, nope, Keith. Oh God, I'm dyslexic. Keith Shufield, and um, we just put up all his videos on the site. He's got some amazing stuff, so I'd, I'd recommend checking him out. He's also the editor of all his videos, like our previous podcast uh, participant Matt Wells, and he also did a video with Kid Cudi. That involves naked women. 
He loves the naked women. I think that's kind of a who, recurring theme. Who doesn't? He did. If you've ever seen, um, I think Something Awful used to do this or still does this in their forums where they would have a contest for um, safer work porn where you would take like a porn picture and then you'd like really kind of crudely color over like make clothes and stuff like that and kind of make or like a... birthday cakes and stuff. I've exactly. Seen yeah, yeah. There's a video version of it. Yeah. Kevin Shufield did that. Right. Setting you up to Keith, reveal. Keith Shufield. Yeah. Keith, the, the person whose name you keep getting wrong. Sorry, Keith. Um, actually, I emailed a guy the other day whose name was Kelvin and I named, I said Kevin and I was, I, I always, I always double check before I send emails to make sure the names are spelled right. And I just kicked myself. Um, I hope that went well for you. It was fine. Did you find out about the kicking of yourself? And, and then was, he was like, oh, did you, kid, you kicked yourself? And you were like, yeah. And he was like, did you kind of just like kick the side of your kick the side of your ankle? Or did you like really give yourself like a kick? And you were like, no, like I really cocked back and like right in the back of my knee, I kicked from my right foot into the back of my left knee. It really hurt. And he was like, all right, you get a pass. Is it like that? It was eerily close to that, actually. I talk for a long time and your your first response is because I because I know I've got you I've got you you gotta come up you gotta come up with something I know yeah because I gotta say something you didn't have it you didn't have it before I had nothing that's the sigh the sigh is a way to like buy like a few seconds for my brain yeah it's a way for you to be able to cut it out and make it seem like you're way wittier than you are (laughs) sometimes I go through and if I'm like if I'm kind of bored and the next thing on my list to do I don't want to do. I um, I like cut out like ums and stuff for both of us. Like I'll go. Yeah, and- you should. Uh, there was one that I was noticing that I do all the time. Um, I say like uh, I don't I don't even know what it is, and I like, it's so funny. I don't know it, and I probably don't realize it, and I probably did it in this sentence explaining what I do and didn't pick up on it. Who knows? Uh, that was re- way existential. <laughs> This is all, I can guarantee you, none of this is going to be in the podcast. I feel like uh, Dr. Steve Brule with the Sweetberry Wine.